Hello everyone, my name is En. And my name is Yeji, and this is Our Own Canon. We created this show as a way for us to discuss and debate pieces of art, literature, philosophy, television, film. Basically, anything and everything that has left an impression on us as Asian American college-age nerds with social anxiety and affinity for Vietnamese iced coffee. Nerds, which we absolutely are, so get prepared to get lost in the weeds. But don't worry, we'll offset with enough irony and sarcassery to keep things not boring for y'all. And of course, thank you for listening and supporting the show. We hope you love what we have prepared today. back we're back (laughs) and what are we doing now that we're back so we kind of took a little bit of time to figure out what's you know what's going on with um the podcast we're trying to we're troubleshooting a couple of things we're trying to adjust uh school year like we were talking about a little bit earlier both of us graduated so we're both kind of getting adjusted to that and our new schedules and everything so we had to uh postpone the second part of the fruits basket episode that we wanted to do but now it's here we are finally getting around to it which is super duper exciting um if you couldn't tell from the last episode uh we really like the show. <laughs> <laughs> we really like the show. We've been working on this show forever. Like I remember, I was like going back through the older episodes, like clipping them for for the clips channel and whatnot. Right, and I remember like an episode, like like it was like seven or eight or something like that. We were like, we have a big thing mm-hmm. uh, coming along pretty soon, and like that was like in the first half of this year, and yeah. now we're in the middle of summer, and we're. Just, just getting through it no we don't talk about it though it's we don't talk about it honestly though it doesn't even feel like the it i know it's like midsummer almost like we graduated what like mid-may and now it's like Mm -hmm. we're halfway through the first official summer i guess of like official month of the summer um (laughs) and it's just kind of it's just weird how fast time is going like and I've been seeing a lot of posts about this too, so I know I'm not the only one who feels like this, but 2023 is going so fast for no good reason. Yeah. Like, I blinked and it was June. <laughs> was it, like, it, it really, everything just, like, happened and then now we're just here. That, that's literally how 2023 has felt. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, speaking of things going fast, that's not this show. <laughs> <laughs> That was a sh- that was a really shitty transition. You know, you know, I can tell you were trying your hardest. And I, I really was. I really was. But we don't talk. <laughs> we're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> it took me okay, but like all of the aside, it did take me so long to actually finish watching this show because I was triggered. I'm gonna be straight up with you. Like it's it's a hard show to get through. It's a hard show to get all the way through because. It there's is, yeah. so much there's so many moving parts so much going on the whole time and every other episode just kind of feels like a gut punch and you just kind of have to sit with it for a little bit i don't know there were a lot of moments where like i would want to binge it but then i would watch something and i'd be like i need to like sit on that for 
maybe another like one or two business days before I get back to the show. <laughs> yeah, like my experience with the show is like I watched the first two seasons pretty hardcore uh, as the second season was airing. Mm-hmm. And then they had like the hiatus for the third season. Mm-hmm. And then like it was just such a long break that I was like, if I'm going to watch the third season, I'm going to like rewatch Fruits Basket and then watch the third season. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, but then I have to like rewatch Fruits Basket. <laughs> and do I really want to do this to myself period. again? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's a pretty intense show. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens. And again, we talked about this in the last episode, but there's just a lot of trauma. <laughs> Yeah. Lot yeah, of trauma, lot of trauma, lot of trauma. But we are here today to be each other's therapists and unpack all of this. So, is this a good idea? I think so. I think that this is a great idea because you know what? You still owe me a therapy session from doing Rent a Girlfriend. So, you're right. Yeah, you're right. fuck you. There we go. Uh, all right. I'll do it for you. I just don't know if you will get as much out of this as you think you will yeah i don't know i never wanted to kill my therapist before but we'll see we'll see this is the first time for everything all right um, uh, so before we start trigger warnings spoiler warnings oh god yeah trigger warnings. lots of trigger warnings um death 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 lots of death there's so much death in this fucking show it's weird there's <laughs> a surprising amount of it it's right. a surprising amount of death um lots of angst romantic and otherwise lots of tragedy um we're also working with an extended cast of characters so um we're probably going to be hitting a multitude of points across all of those um all those people um which means that you know we're not going to take a break today, y'all. It's just going to be one right after the other. Um, I am hesitant to put a sexual violence trigger in here, but I feel like I should. Like, I feel like I should yeah. just to be safe. Because <laughs> yeah, um, there's I... some there are some things here that do cross the line into, like, kind of being violent and also like rooted in sexual problems so i'm just gonna slide that one in there just in case um if we start talking about probably like akito uh for sure and like reen for sure like those probably the two main characters i would say like struggle with this a lot um i.e one of the characters is literally like fucking doing it to another character so (laughs) this is this is not a good way to start actually this is we're starting off on a really bad note <laughs> yeah yeah but you know that's just, that's just that's just how fruits basket is i mean like i bet better better be prepared and know what you're getting into going in than not <laughs> i feel like if you explained fruits basket in isolation people would it's be a really like, hard thing to pitch fuck? yeah it is this is pretty hard pitch but um yeah, it's like, good. actually, Fruits Basket, <laughs> pitching Fruits Basket is one of these really complicated things, because, like, you can give, like, the surface level summary, which is, like, the whole, like, curse thing, where, like, if people, if the family who, like, hug people from the opposite sex, like, hug people of the opposite sex, like, they turn into animals, and, like, that's a fine summary, but it doesn't really that's get across like 0.5% of the show. Yeah, but that's also what you're going to be seeing when you're, like, if you're like looking online and you're searching it, that's what that's what you're gonna find. Yeah. 
right it, it's one of those things where it's like not really informative and like it's not really going to prepare people for what they're really getting into but if you want to explain what it really is you're gonna be like uh it's about a lot of trauma <sighs> and like that's not helpful either <laughs> we tr we're trying okay we're trying we're trying really hard but um no i mean i think if you start from the top right like the show opens with toru um coming into this family and basically like immediately setting off the plot which is not the plot but like the conflict of the show which is her getting ingratiated with this family um that you know if they hug members of the opposite sex which like at the beginning of the move at the of the movie at the beginning of the show it's literally like kyo yuki and then um shigure so like it's mm -hmm. all dudes right so that's the plot summary because that's like the main that's how like the conflict begins i think but it's a lot more than that for sure um speaking of toru though uh i feel like that's probably a good place to start because she is the main character um so the re she's the reason why watching fruits basket will make you a better person that is true. i'm quite sure <laughs> although okay i agree and i also disagree with that statement but we can get into that in a second um, okay. I would love for you to tell me what you think that Toru's defining moment in the show is. Like, if you had to pick one, what would it be? Like, uh, in her character arc, what is the thing that, like, affects her or changes her the most, in your opinion? Um, when Yuki tells her that she is his mother. No! 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 <laughs> no, 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 being real, that might actually no! stick with you forever <laughs> in, in certain ways. <laughs> It would stick with me too. <laughs> um, I think it has to be like in season three at the very end, where like you know, like we we see the trajectory of like Kyo's arc and the trajectory of Toru's arc, and uh, uh, they they kind of have like opposite opposite trajectories, where like Kyo needs to like learn how to like mellow down and like forgive and like you know, uh, calm down with with his like anger with people with people outside of his life and with himself and then toru needs to like learn how to stand up and go like get the things that she wants right mm -hmm. so so at the end like those two arcs accumulating together right um i forget i forget the exact moment but 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 i i do know that like it it, it is at that point oh yeah yeah it's, it's it's like the like straight up just like the last the last scene where she like goes and get to keo because mm -hmm. he's like running away or whatever because he doesn't because like he still needs that extra push from her <laughs> right and and like she learns that like actually it's okay to get what i want sometimes right like like mm -hmm. because like up to this point her character has mostly been about like um being kind and like sacrificing herself to help others mm -hmm. as her kind of own way of like self-harm you talked about this mm -hmm. this uh in the last episode right i did so learning the so learning to be a little selfish and right and taking and 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 taking kyo for herself right and just be selfish and like saying what she wants right for once uh you know like like it, it, it's hard to say that's her defining moment because that's kind of what we've been leading up to mm -hmm. this whole point i feel like that's I think like, it's like her character climax but I mean, yeah. the, like her character climax is probably like her most defining moment if you look at it that way. <laughs> um, I would actually, I mean, I would probably say that in her, the most defining moment for her is obviously like meeting everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But that's like a very basic answer. I feel like your answer actually, you know, kind of gets into the root of like, well, what is this character and what is the purpose of this character? Um, 
And the purpose of Toru's character is to show that, you know, if you if you're punched down, stand back up. But also being too nice can also hurt you more than you think it does. And being like punched down can be like something that people actually enjoy doing and they will take advantage of it. Um, I think that something that I something that really stood out to me the first time I watched this show was like the way that Toru's actual family treats her compared to the way that, you know, we see like Shigure and Yuki and Kyo treat her at the very beginning. And like the reason she's like, I want to stay in this family forever. It's just so glaringly obvious once you see where she came from and the way that people are used to treating her because she is so kind and she has a very like soft and gentle nature. Um, I... I would I would probably agree with you and say that like yes her deciding to be selfish being okay like is her most defining character <coughs> moment um but I also wonder what you think of her friendship with Yuki being the thing that sort of triggers all of her character arcness like the changes that she goes through and everything that develops so like happens after she meets yuki in particular right um mm-hmm. so what do you think about that would you agree or disagree i mean i find it hard to disagree i mean that that is like the inciting incident of the whole of the whole thing right well like- i would say that like Okay, like, yes, inciting incident aside, like, but inciting incident aside, like, apart from the plot, like, when you think of meeting certain friends and certain people, right, people come in, coming into your life and having an effect on you, I would, I would, I would think that Yuki is, like, the person who really changed Toru's life, like, everything in her life changed after she met him and got to know him, Mm -hmm. um, started spending actual time with him, because they met before when they were, like, super young, but she didn't know it was him, and... (laughs) Oh my god, this there, story there are is so a lot fucking of hella- convoluted, I swear to Christ. There are a lot of hella coincidences in this show, yeah. sometimes, like... <laughs> sometimes too many. Sometimes too many, straight up, actually. Yeah, yeah, but 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 I... I, I do think you're right about that, and I do think there is something interesting to, to say about, like, the relationships and the way that they change you, because, like, that's a real thing that happens in real life, right? Like, mm-hmm. where you meet certain people who are, like there for you <laughs> for real actually right who <laughs> are like there for you in the way that like that's my bro you right there met up until this point right and like push you to like do things and change in certain ways that are actually like really beneficial to both of you guys mm-hmm. right and i i feel like that's like kind of where the foundation of like a good friendship is right mm-hmm. and if there's anything that like fruits basket is about it's about relationships like not just like romantic relationships but also like platonic familial right relationships Right. And, and, you know, I'll, like, I'll 100% agree and go down and, and argue that, like, yeah, like, like, her relationship with, like, Yuki, even if it's just, like, platonic or, or I guess, mother and son. Oh, um, my God. I, okay, sorry. but, uh, like, you mentioned that, but that was going to be my next point, right? Is that, like, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who would also argue that Tori's most defining moment is, like, when her mother dies, right? Because that mm-hmm. is that's obviously something that's very triggering for her it's like her life's greatest one of her life's greatest tragedies um and i would argue that like that her mother's death is also like connected to getting to know yuki and like getting to take care of him um Mm -hmm. in this matronly way where she can kind of 
process the grief behind her mother's death while simultaneously like kind of being a mother figure to somebody else also struggling with mommy issues and like (laughs) I but in a different way and that's just like I mean that's a pretty convoluted web but if like somebody was like oh like you're forgetting like Toru's mom's death it's like no I would probably lump that in with like meeting Yuki ironically and weirdly enough just Mm -hmm. because of the way that I think that they kind of play a role in like how both of those combined play a role in both of their character arcs but yeah the the mom thing is just I just couldn't believe my like I could not believe my eyes when I read the subtitles for that scene. I was like, "Bro, are we really gonna do this right now? Like, are you really, <laughs> really, really like you could have left that? You could have left that to the ether. You could have left that to like the metaphysical realm where people talk about it, but it isn't actually canon. But no, you had him say like, "You're my mom." Or like you are, were you were like my mom? You raised me like my mom. Like, bro, come on. Uh, I went. I went back and watched watched it after after that episode after we recorded that episode, right? Just just to like just to like really just experience that one again. I don't know and how like... you did that because I was crawling out of my skin the first time I saw that. I was the, not having a good time. I looked at all the comments, and the comments were all really positive towards this scene. Like they like there there were no there were no comments like where you like you had where you're just like dang okay, this is listen, awful. Like listen, everyone was super on board. Listen, and that might just be like my whack ass brain, but it's weird. It is weird because the whole time during the show they're like, oh yeah, like Yuki and Kyo and Toru, like that's the main love triangle of the whole show, and then fucking like. And then at the end, it's not even a res- like it is a resolution to the love triangle, but it's like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> like I think that's weird. I don't know. Like here's where I am with it that I simultaneously like and don't like, is that like, um, I think it alludes to something really powerful between Toru and Yuki's relationship. Right? It is they have a really strong relationship in this way, right? That's like queer as fuck right um right and, oh. and i kind of like having that depiction of a like a queer relationship not not like like, like, like you, you know what i mean by like queer relationship. i don't mean like like gay straight and stuff like that just like a relationship that is not how normal people define like yeah it's not a heteronormal right? relationship and, yeah yeah and i like the fact that it's depicted what i don't like is that they couldn't find the words for it so they went for the next best thing which is you're <laughs> like my mother <laughs> oh right? my god uh, yeah and, I think that's what's going on with, it, with 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 that scene and that relationship. It, it is is that it's queer. It just they just can't figure out what it is because like it hasn't really been labeled because like we we don't often talk about like yeah. queer relationships like that, right? I will but it, also but it, say that like the same fucking thing happened with Momiji's character. Now that you're kind of talking through that, like that just reminds mm-hmm. me of what they did with Momiji as well, which is <laughs> obviously another talking point. But you know, yeah, I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. And kind of the same way that I think this show does kind of pull its punches with queerness, right? Like we talked about, like um, which is so frustrating to me. Yeah, I, 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 on one hand, I'm like, you kind of could have gone a little further because you were right there. But on the other hand, I'm like, it was also like 19, whatever, whatever. So like, I guess I'll give you a little <laughs> 19, bit of a pass whatever, for not whatever. having the, yeah. So so I like, I guess I'll give you the pass for not having the vocabulary to express it. Mm. I'm pretty sure if it was made now, it might 
those words might have been chosen. I mean, I do also think, though, that, like, with the remake of the show, they had a lot more room to mess around with that because it is, like, modern now at this point. Like, yes, they're remaking it, and yes, it's, like, based off the manga, but they could have done a little bit more heavy lifting, I think, with making the things that... Because in a lot of ways, that show does... Like, that story queerbaits a lot. Like, there are a lot of times where, like... There's just blatant fan service or like like literally every scene with um Ritsu? Not Ritsu. Uh Yuki's brother, what's his name? It starts with an A. I- Ayame. Ayame. I almost said Adisu and I was like, what did I get that from? And that's Alice in Borderland. That's a different thing. Um Ayame <laughs> like Ayame and Shugude and um seahorse guy what's his name i'm so bad at this hot toddy yes you're me today i am you today oh my god my brain is off because i just got off work but um like the three of them like anytime it's the three of them it's like oh my god this is so gay and like at the end of it ima is straight like he confesses to like i don't know his hostess that works at his shop or whatever and i'm like this is so like unnecessary like you didn't have to okay you didn't have to make them gay but you didn't have to make every single fucking character in the show straight either like there there was a gray area that they could have messed around with but they ended up making everybody cis and straight and i was just like dog what the hell like with ritsu too like at the end when like he starts dressing as a guy and like I don't know, has a moment with, like, Shigure's, like, editor or whatever. Like, I'm like, why? Why not just leave this character in the gray area? Like, why why are you making everything black and white all of a sudden? Especially because for the entirety of the show, it's like everybody kind of plays around in this gray area. And the gray area is where we like them because that's how we're used to seeing them. But in the process of tying up a lot of these characters' arcs, it's like, oh, we're going to make you normal or, like, not damaged or like you're healing and apparently part of the healing process is becoming a boring ass bitch and not being gay anymore which is like so disappointing um but yeah like i don't know i i stand by that like the original obviously you know because it's a product of its time right like it didn't have the kind of wiggle room that we have now to kind of explore those topics and use those characters in that way but i think for the remake they definitely like I think there was room for them to stick to their guns on it, but they just didn't, and that was what was disappointing. Was I was like, I think there was, but I think contextually, like the problem with the two thousand one anime that a lot of people criticized was that it's not faithful to the to the manga. Yeah, so like, I feel like twenty nineteen just never had the opportunity to mess with it in the ways that it should have, mm-hmm. because like, you know, like you know, when you do a remake of something that's already liked but had criticisms, like it's gonna be really hard for you to be bold and make changes because not only are you making changes that are like to change these characters like in ways that i think are good but you're going to change the characters a lot and like people are already kind of watching your show and kind of already suspicious about like whether you're going to be faithful to the material or not Mm -hmm. um which i think is unfortunate because like honestly i'm kind of with you here where i think where i kind of think the most faithful version of these characters is kind of like the one where they're a little more like ambiguous in their in their gender performance and like right? sexuality right like they it spend does the entire the show. The show they literally yeah. spend the entire show playing around in this gray area where everything's ambiguous and like not delineated and they're like i'm trying to figure out what all of this means and then 
there isn't really a moment where anybody really like completely figures anything out they just become like super heteronormative and like of course there's more to the (laughs) ending than that i'm just saying that for a lot of the side characters that was kind of their resolution was like oh i struggle with cross-dressing at the end it's like i don't struggle with cross-dressing anymore because i can just present like a man and like flirt with this lady right here that i have had no previous character interactions with but it's fine like i don't i don't get that and i think it's i think it would have either been better left out like i think it would have been better if they had physically changed it but like even if they hadn't done that it's just unnecessary you know um i also like i you know we were talking a lot about ritsu um but i also think that like hanajima and um oh fuck me what's her name the blonde one she has a nickname uotani uo uochan yeah like i think that their like their character dynamics and the way that they present for again the entire fucking show is like oh like look at this thruple like with these three girls right and like it's a found family thing that they got going on and then like uotani who is the most like masculine presenting female in the show other than akito like she's the most masculine presenting female in the show that doesn't cross-dress outright right Mm -hmm. and like and then they made her fall in love with a guy and they made it like I don't know. Maybe this is maybe let's, this let's, episode is gonna be me just complaining about why Fruits Basket is not gay enough. But like, I just don't understand why. Like, there's there are a, character choices that don't make any sense to me. Is the conclusion a, of that rant? <laughs> I do want to put a pin in that. I think the Uotani discussion is a very complicated one. Oh, because are we gonna of how argue? her. No, no, I, I, I think I'm just going to be working through some shit. <laughs> because that arc is weird. <laughs> that arc is that arc weird. Is, I agree. That arc is really weird. I agree that um, it's weird. And watching, I know you didn't watch the Fruits Basket movie. I haven't Watching yet, that no. simultaneously gives it context, but also doesn't clear things up. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. So, so, so. so. I'll put a pin on that. If we ever get back to Uotani's character, um, just remind me <laughs> to have this conversation. Uh, but, so we talked about Toru. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it's hard to talk about Toru without also talking about, like, Kyo, right? Because, like, their arcs are very much entwined. So, like... Yes. What do you, what do you think of his character? Bad boy. <laughs> I, I like the way that they kind of play this version of, like, the Sundere trope. Um, which is very common in anime. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically like when a very cold-hearted or very cold exterior character gradually just becomes like softer and softer throughout the show, and that's basically their whole character arc. And it usually happens a lot in romance, manga slash anime, because everybody loves a bad boy, and Kyo is the baddest of bad boys. Um, I think that it's really interesting the way that they, the way that the author wrote Kyo in, in the way that like he's kind of the trope of like not being like other boys or like not like other girls that trope that like 
oh, he's like really attractive, but he doesn't think so. And he's actually really charismatic and people actually get along with him really well, but he doesn't think so. And he thinks that he has no friends and he's just depressed. And like, it's this weird dynamic where you're rooting for him, but you're also kind of simultaneously like, and you empathize with what he's going through, obviously, but there are like several times in the show where I want to be like, dude, like, if you just like stop and take a look at your yeah. life, like you have people and you have friends. It's this very much so like this mm-hmm. denial, this cycle of denial that he goes through constantly throughout the entire show. And obviously that manifests the clearest and the most upfront with his relationship with Toru, which begins as obviously this kind of platonic, awkward um entanglement right where she's like living at his house and he doesn't really know what to do with that he doesn't really know how to treat her um and the more that they kind of treat each other as actual people become friends and he's like i want to treat you like a woman like i want to treat you like an actual person like his cycle of denial and his cycle of like oh like everybody leaves me everybody dies everybody is like you know i'm alone in this world just keeps getting in the way of him making genuine good connections with people um mm-hmm totally not relatable at all like i don't know what that's like (laughs) even a little bit uh (laughs) but um i think that in meshing that particular character arc with this like bad boy like hard on the outside soft on the inside thing works very well for a multitude of reasons and Mm -hmm. it just the the character progression and everything that he goes through just makes a lot of sense no matter how convoluted his story becomes which it does get pretty fucking convoluted uh like the last couple episodes of the last season you're just like dog he's been a part of everything this whole time like what in the hell like he's the person who was like glitched into the matrix at like every major plot point throughout the entire thing and you're just like is there anywhere this man hasn't been like anyways um so yeah, uh, I I would say that his his character arc makes a lot of sense, and no matter how complicated it gets, this very grounded storyline of like oh like bad boy turned good, going soft because girl love him, is a, is a trope that we understand very very well. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say all of those things about him. But what about you? First, I have a lot of things to say from what you've said. I'm so you, excited. You, you, let, you left a lot of threads to pull. First, like, considering him Sundere is, like, honestly great. Because, like, I didn't think about it that way. But, like, you're, you're, 100, you're 100% correct. Right? Like, he, 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 like, plays into the Sundere trope. But I think he does it in a way that's, like, really, like, good and thoughtful and, like, not problematic. Because, in my opinion, I think the Sundere trope typically can be very problematic. Especially mm-hmm. when it's applied to women. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's, like, the Sundere trope is kind of this idea where it's, like, no matter how much a woman says no, she actually really wants it, right? She's just she's just too shy to say anything about it. That that's like yep. fundamentally what the Sundari trope is, especially when applied to a woman. Yep. Right. <sighs> but I do like how it's it's yeah, it's problematic. Um, but he's but like do... he's like I'm not shy. It's just trauma. <laughs> yeah. I... Well, you put it that way. It doesn't sound so, it doesn't sound so deep anymore, does it? Um, but. Sorry. I do. You can delete that like... part and start at the beginning. <laughs> no, it's it's in here now. I'm sorry. It's it's in here. <laughs> um, but I, I do like how, like, they take that trope, right, with and they apply it to Keo, but, like, he actually has a lot of complicated and interesting reasons to work through about why he is turning himself away from love, even though he, like, kind of wants it but kind of doesn't, right? It's not, it's not just, like, this, like, 
idea of what like women are that's not actually accurate to how real life is yeah right um it, it is actually something like like that that actually like happens like like people actually do turn away from love for like this reasons it's usually not like like to all the guys out there like usually it's it's not that she actually wants it and just saying no because because she's too shy to actually get it like 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 actually they say no it just means no but like yes. <laughs> but sometimes for characters like you like like like, like that that stuff that stuff's real like like there, there are a lot of ways in which people like do self-sabotage themselves right for for, mm-hmm. for those reasons yeah. all right and that gets me to like what I really love about Kyo's arc, and it's like it's just learning to forgive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like something that that I like, you know, that that, that we that humans struggle with in, in general, right? That I can probably relate to in particular, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people can can understand this feeling. Not not just learning how to forgive other people, like his father, mm-hmm. right? Or, or not particularly forgive, but like to move past it. But most importantly, learning to forgive himself, mm-hmm. right? Because like that's the that's the main thrust of his arc, mm-hmm. right? His mom killed herself, and everyone blames him for it, right? So he internalizes like the hate. He he internalizes that, right? And learns to and learns to hate himself, right? Um, along with mm-hmm. all like the ostracization from the curse, right? The curse is supposed to deem him as as something bad, right? Inherently, he was born to be to be hated so he like internalizes that to himself right and you can see how that self-hatred then like spews out into other people that's why him and that's why he and yuki have like a really bad relationship right because like the self-hatred is making it hard for him to really be able to interact with other people because like you can't love like, like it's cliche to say but you can't love yourself you can't love anyone else mm-hmm. right um and like that's the thing i love about like his arc because like at the end right he confronts his dad and he doesn't really like get his dad to say i'm sorry or anything because that's not the point mm-hmm. right the point is that he can say i'm sorry to my him, himself mm-hmm. he doesn't need external forgiveness right mm-hmm. because like you cannot depend on other people for your own happiness you have mm-hmm. to depend on yourself right and i think that's a, and and that's when he that's when it clicks for him right when he leaves his dad he no longer is looking for his dad's forgiveness or anything he just lets that be right turns to himself and says like okay but like but I'm good. Like, like I, I can forgive myself. It wasn't me. It wasn't my fault, mm-hmm. right? Like the decisions that like my mom made, the decisions that other people outside the family made. That was that was them. Mm-hmm. The only person I can control is me. Mm-hmm. So I'm go- so I'm going to live my life. And that's the moment when he frees himself and like is actually able to move on and like be with Toru and stuff like that. I would love to spend a little bit of time talking about their relationship and the way that they end up together because I I think another shifty part of the cinderay trope is like when it is applied to men um there's like an abusive aspect to it where like a man will say no by like slapping a girl around or like literally emotionally abusing her and Mm -hmm. she'll still be like wanting him because you know she believes in the power of love and i think that like that's probably the most that's probably like if there was something problematic about if there was something the most problematic aspect (laughs) 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 i needed to work through that the most problematic aspect of toru and kyo's relationship is like at the very beginning um and for the beginning probably half of their relationship and their development over time is um him just being really fucking mean to her all the time for no reason um and this kind of also ties into like 
I hate it when people are like, oh, like if a boy's mean to you, that means he likes you. And it's like, uh, I don't know about that because then it conditions people to think that like abusive behavior and being rude and mean is like what love is, right? That's how you're conditioned to, to, yeah. yeah, that's how you're conditioned to receive love. And that's what you perceive as loving is like rude behavior, right? Um, I think that Kyo multiple times treads this line pretty fucking hard and he never completely falls into it which i really appreciate but there is an aspect to this that i really do like about his character in that he isn't squeaky clean he is problematic there are things about kyo Mm -hmm. that a lot of people see as basically being uh, irredeemable right um it it's not a stretch to say and it's not inaccurate to say that he's not a good person like for the first two-thirds of the show he's not a good person he again rude to everybody really bad behavior right like pushes everybody that cares about him away doesn't regard anybody's feelings except for his own right except for a very select few people right um Mm -hmm. and yet you know at the end of everything when he finally comes to terms with himself and he's fully accepting of himself and he's finally over treating other people like that is the only way that he can accept love unconditionally from somebody else which is why i think it works i think that if it wasn't earned it wouldn't work but i think that kyo's character arc does a good job of convincing us that no matter how bad he is he really is truly fucking working on it and like he does deserve all of the good things that come to him in the end um which is not like i don't say that often about certain other characters that i would also classify as cindere like (laughs) it's it's a fine line and he he it's a fine line and he walks along it very very well he doesn't Mm -hmm. but like at the same time he's not like squeaky clean from it you know what i mean like he doesn't walk the line as in like oh he like just barely does it but it's like he's safe because technically it's like no he's an asshole he is an asshole like he is a jerk and there's a reason why people don't like him there's a reason why people don't generally like spending time with him right like there are reasons for that um and i think obviously another part of his character is like acting that way on purpose so that people leave him first so that he doesn't ever have to deal with abandonment right he's like well if i'm just an asshole to everybody and nobody likes me then i don't ever have to deal with people leaving me because nobody's going to be in my life anyway right like that is also a part of his character arc that he has to work through but um i do like that he's not the kind of character that like gets away scot-free because like technically i was like no he hits toru um (laughs) he draws blood like there's (laughs) like you know what i mean um and you know but there's there's an element to that that does genuinely work as unfortunate as that is i think that um one of the biggest problems that people have with characters that have redemption arcs is like this idea that just because somebody starts doing good things all of their past sins are like swept away and i think that kyo is a really good example of a character that you were always rooting for you want him to do well you want him to come to his senses and you want you want to like snap him out of it you want to you know you want to be like hey like listen dude you know like stop the fucking pity party all right like we get it you're sad you've been through shit but like look at everybody else around you everybody else is going through shit too and they're not treating other people like shit so like what gives you the right right 
it's like this thing where you want him to be better for the sake of him being better because you can see how miserable being bad makes him and so you just want to be like hey man snap the fuck out of it you know and um at the end of it he does and you're like this is earned because he really does earn it um yeah i mean i'm sure that there are people out there who disagree with me but i personally think that he earns it so there it is there's the controversial opinion of the week (laughs) (laughs) i i think like i think that people are going to disagree or or like people i might be going out on a limb here but are people who like do not believe in like the capacity for like people to like change uh-huh. right because because that, that's kind of the central thesis of this of the show right is that like like in order to buy this show you kind of have to buy the idea that like people can change in general mm-hmm. right and like i think that's the reason why it's easier to root for kyo because like you do get the sense throughout the whole series that like he is capable of this change and that like he can do it mm-hmm. right right there, there there are there are some characters in like other shows and which try to attempt the same thing that like fall a little more flat on their face right because mm-hmm. like you're never really convinced that like it was ever part of the personality to be able to change but like for Keo, it, it, it clearly is mm-hmm. right even early when he's like not a even early in the show when he's an asshole right mm-hmm. like you can see glimpses of him like really like really letting his guard down a bit and you can see like that that he is miserable that he can change that he can be nice that he can open up right mm-hmm. given given the correct like support mm-hmm. right um, and I can see why you would kind of disagree with that if you just kind of by your own life experiences or your own life beliefs don't think people can change. Mm-hmm. You kind of you would then kind of see Kyo as like a f- fantasy, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and I think that like I, and I hate to say this because it is unfortunate, but stories are stories and characters are characters, and by their very essence, characters do come out of everything squeaky clean because they're not real right mm-hmm. um when you associate feelings that you have about a character with actual situations that happen in your life of course they're going to come off as like irredeemable because a real situation right uh, a real person that's done something to you um is obviously going to be very different than like you watching a character do something in a story right mm-hmm. um i think that as amazing as Fruits Basket is, it is a work of fiction, and I think that that's important to remember when thinking about the way that these character arcs do progress, because there are a lot of people that don't ever come out of that hole. And as as well as Fruits Basket depicts trauma, traumatic experiences, and the like, everybody in that story gets a happy ending, except for the true villains you know so it's like yeah of course everybody gets out for the most part well because it's a story of redemption and it's meant to be that way and it's written that way on purpose right like it you know real life doesn't always happen that way and it's important to remember that when talking about characters who especially characters who have you know shady you know controversial opinions surrounding them it's like okay well you know at the end of the day it's a story and they do serve a plot purpose speaking of plot purpose i gotta say that like i think my one of my most favorite you know aspects of kyo throughout the entirety of the show is that kind of like shadow in the corner that you kind of forget is there for you know 
the entirety of the show but he's like always around and he's always perceiving people and he's always there but you never fully appreciate him being there because he really doesn't you know give a ton in terms of like oh, all these like little character interactions like I think that you know Kyo, not Kyo, Yuki and Toru probably have more significant and intimate character interactions throughout the entire show than like Kyo and Toru do but mm-hmm. you watch and you're like oh fuck like he's been there for the whole thing you know he's watched all this happen and like even though the more obvious characters that are being affected because, you know, they have dialogue, they're in the middle of the scene, it's going to be, like, Toru and Yuki and Hanajima and Uotani and, you know, like, the main friend group, right? But, like, he's there, and it's it's just interesting to see a character kind of play a role that a lot of people do in real life, right? Where, like, they're kind of part of a friend group, but they aren't necessarily, like, super moving parts in that friend group, but they're still there and they're still perceiving everything and they're still being affected by all of the stuff that's happening, even if, you know, they're not the most upfront about it and even though they don't talk about it in the same way. And I really appreciate that because it's not really a plot purpose. It's just kind of, like, this interesting byproduct of having a character that, like is kind of socially awkward um but then at the end of everything you're like oh like he was there and he was there and he was there and he was there and he saw all this it's like oh interesting actually you know um it makes him feel i think that much more real to me you know he doesn't really feel like um i mean you know he's a main character but like some stuff like that kind of makes him feel like a real person you know um which is interesting i don't know the this this whole story in my opinion really does blur the line between being a story that exists for plot purposes and a story that exists for like an audience you know like there are stories that exist because there are stories that need to be told and there are stories that exist because audience like an audience needs it and the story is simultaneously both and i think that that's hard to do that's very hard to do um but yeah, that was a lot of words. Anyways, uh, Yuki? Question mark. Yuki. <laughs> Yuki. Okay. Mama's, uh, boy. Mama's boy. Oh! <laughs> I see we're in the same wavelength. Here. What? That was crazy. That was not planned. That was not planned. That was crazy. Oh my god. Okay. Continue. Uh, yeah, Yuki. Uh. That's such a, you know, like some something I think we've talked about in um, in in previous episodes when we talk about rom coms and stuff like that is like talking about non non romantic relationships because like mm-hmm. those exist and those are important and like I really love that this is the the path that we got with Yuki and Toru's relationship, right? Uh, because. You know, you start out the show, right? And you think it's going to be like a love triangle thing. You know, we've said this before, right? And then we end the show with Yuki not... With Yuki healing with the help of his platonic relationship or I guess like motherly relationship with her. Oh, God. I'm gonna call it's, it, it's just going to be... It... It's just going to be like an hour of MILFs jokes, guys. Just strap yeah. in. <laughs> I'm going to call it his his un, untermed queer relationship with Poru. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and right and he takes that right and then he's able to help someone else right because he's able to heal them himself right and once he's able to like learn and figure out his own shit then he's able to like 
help other people with their shit and that's like his whole story arc going from like being really insular and just like talking with like shigure and like toru right to then opening up right um being there for his his classmates mm-hmm. uh shoot, i forget her name what's machi. her name machi machi oh my god right? we're like and switching then... places so much today <laughs> and then also like at the end helping push kyo right mm-hmm. uh in order to like go chase toru when 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 that whole like at the end happens right so yeah. it's really interesting to see his character slowly like 180 right and go from like really being in his own head to really then start caring about others and that's something i really love about about his character arc here where mm-hmm. where it shows the value of like what relationships can do for your life mm-hmm. right and how like good relationships and good and and good relationships can then like genuinely help you learn to be better and then you can spread that mm-hmm. and help other people mm-hmm. i agree i think that again when we're talking about you know, tropey characters. I think Yugi is also a pretty common anime trope, right? Like the princely type where, you know, he's he has a pretty a, he has boy a fan club. and everything. Yeah, he a... literally has a fan club, right? It's a lot of things going for him. He's smart. Um, and a lot of times with these characters, you kind of realize that like they are their own worst enemy for whatever reason, right? It differs from show to show, right? Like with Tamaki and Oron High School Host Club, it's kind of like this, this idea that no matter how hard he works, he's always going to, like, need to beg for people to love him kind of thing, right? Like, when he doesn't believe that people are in the host club because they want to be in the host club, he thinks he, like, coerced everybody to be in it. And with Yuki, it's, like, a similar-ish deal where, like, he's, like, everybody is attracted to my mask. Like, nobody knows who I really am, and they don't ever appreciate me for being me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it takes him a while to realize that, like, the first time you meet anybody, you're meeting their mask, right? Um, (laughs) This happens with Machi's cousin, who's also in the club. I don't fucking know his name, but he's kind of annoying, um and he does this whole thing where he's like oh i am the comedic relief but um like when yuki meets him for the first time he's like oh like i kind of hate you you're kind of annoying and you're kind of like overbearing and i don't really like it and as an audience you're like oh yeah like same you know because he's a character trope right but it's almost like yuki gets to see this other character trope and he gets to kind of peel back the layers of like the comedic relief and what the comedic relief goes through and he's like as a princely character he's like oh fuck that's me just different um (laughs) which is really cool and like you said i think he does a lot of internal analysis based on the people around him oh yeah also speaking of manabe um nakji's half brother what's his name mana manabe 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 that's his last name well yeah uh it's really interesting that (laughs) That guy or like a whole like section of the show like yuki and toru just kind of don't interact anymore yeah because Right. Yeah. And, like, Yuki actually is kind of forced to like reach out of his like comfort zone a bit and like interact with these other characters and like Maname like as annoying as he can be to Yuki genuinely helped him p- help push him in like positive directions. Oh yeah. Right. And 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 do things that he wasn't comfortable with. Right. And like get annoyed and fed up a lot, but also like but also like learn a lot about himself. Right. And and find things that he genuinely does like and appreciate that he would never figured out if he wasn't getting pushed into um mm-hmm. in, in, into situations in which he was not initially comfortable with but genuinely were good for him right and like that that's an important thing like sometimes you need your friends to do so to give you a little push to do things that you actually do want to do you just don't quite have the uh 
the mental to do it at the moment right Mm -hmm. i i don't know i think that with i think the most fascinating thing about yuki's character is that like he's trying really hard not to be his trope while simultaneously using it to his like full advantage it's really interesting where he's like i hate this like i just i don't want people to like me for my looks and then like whenever they're like yuki go be a distraction he's like sparkles and flowers everywhere and it's like it's amazing i love it it's like he yeah he's like his own worst enemy in more ways than one um i know that we've kind of oh sorry go ahead i think that might have something to say about like because like like part of his arc is like his mom wants him to be a certain way, right? In in order to like maintain the position in the family. So that's just kind of what he grows up with, right? Um, and then he like gets older and like is trying to push against that. And like like that's the tension of his relationship with himself, right? Where it's like this is the way like I'm supposed to be, and this is the way that I was trained to be, and I'm really good at it. Yeah. Right. But I don't want that for my life, right? Yeah. And it's like trying to square being good at something because you were raised that way and actually wanting to do it yeah right which might be something a lot of us asian american kiddos have some experience yeah straight (laughs) up straight up i think that you bring up a really really great point though of doing something because you're good at it and knowing that you're good at it and realizing that this is this thing that you can play to your strengths but also simultaneously realizing that like there's a lot of this that i didn't choose which I think it's his whole arc with like being student body president or class president, right? Where he's mm-hmm. like, of course I was voted class president, like of, just by sheer volume of numbers, of course, right? But he like finds his own in that, you know? And it's what's expected of him. It's what everybody wants him to be, but he does it his own way and he figures out his yeah. own way to do things. Um, and it's very emblematic of like the way that his character kind of is for the rest of the show as well, so yeah that's that's what i really love like the solution to that is not to really reject all of it Mm -hmm. but to figure out how to make this yours Mm -hmm. right because it is who you are for better or for worse but it can be your specific way of doing it Mm -hmm. right and i think that's like the thing that really helps him like move past it yeah right and and learn to like love and love his family right love himself right and then be going on to like love and help other people yes sir yeah <laughs> very very man i feel like the thing about fruits basket is that like everyone can kind of bring their own like specific types of like issues and traumas to the show yeah and have something to latch on with a couple characters here or there yeah right? i can like, totally not... relate to thinking that somebody that i thought i was in love with was like actually my mother figure the whole your time mother figure. <laughs> totally relate to that one that one is just so relatable I, okay, can we, uh, like, I actually kind of want to talk about this now, because, like, it's going to get on my nerves, like. Have we not been talking about it this whole okay, time? Okay, listen, listen, <laughs> we've been skirting around it, okay? Okay, okay uh, let, let's, let's look at it right in the face. Yes, right, and, and say, and, what and the fuck is that? And then, okay, Tell it, we're it good. can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, okay. definitely well, need therapy What's up, what's up, what's up with this, what's up with this? I, okay, I, I think it's. Like, what you were saying, like, I think that the, for the most part, right, like, it's, we've had positive reception to this idea of, you know, Yugi and Toru being this for each other. Like, 
I don't think a lot of people were like freaked out by it necessarily. I just think it was such a left turn in like the story. I just don't think it makes any sense because the entire time, because because that's the other thing too, right? Is that like if you watch the show, particularly the first two seasons, like for the first for the first season and then the first half of the second season, like Yuki and Toru are in love. There is nothing to indicate the fact that they are like not romantically inclined to one another, and that's like. That's just true for the first half of the show. Like, I don't understand why they... I do, but I don't. And I, I I just don't think it was necessary. Like, I have a lot of feelings about it. I think it really kind of undercuts a lot of the work that they did with the love triangle in general. Like, the love triangle served a plot purpose too, right? It wasn't just because, like, they were like, oh, let's put some, like, romance shit in there for fun. Like, a lot of other romantic manga and anime tend to do. Romantic stories in general love to throw around, you know, love triangles to make things unnecessarily convoluted. But, like, that love triangle was integral to all three of those characters' character development. At the end of it, they were like, oh, like, Yuki didn't even like Toru romantically. Like she was just like his mother figure i'm like bro like why why would you do that like there's no reason in or out of story to undermine an entire one of the biggest plot points in the show one of the reasons why there is tension between yuki and kyo besides all of the stuff that happened in their past right like they fundamentally don't like each other already and then you throw a a girl into the mix that they both loved at the bottom of their hearts like care about her they want her to like succeed and do well like there's nothing wrong with looking that in the face and being like yeah was that toxic probably was it dramatic absolutely but it also like affects their relationship and it affected the way that people looked at them and it affected other people in the character story too like we forget also that momiji was, like, trying to get into the love triangle as a contender. Like, we forget that. We forget that he grew up, basically, for, like, two years, right? Like, watching Yuki and Kyo battle over Toru when he, like, he also, in his heart, was like, oh, fuck, like, I think I like her too, right? And at the end, like, he confronts... He confronts Kyo, and he's like, you've been watching somebody skirt around the girl that you love in front of you for how long? And, like, I'm about to insert myself into this shit. So, like, if you don't want me here, you better go get your girl, right? Like, he makes that ultimatum clear as day. And the fact that they just try to, like, pull Yuki out of that equation. Like, oh, like, oh, it's just, like, his mom. Like, that's so stupid. Like, I don't understand. It's not stupid. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And I think that it... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I am a hater. I am a hater. (laughs) I I disagree with you here. Like like I can I can totally see it because like for 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 several reasons. One is that like societally like we're we're just like socialized. Don't to, bring like, the society at... into this on. What type of podcast do you think this it's is? It's complicated Eddie? enough as it is. God damn it. Here, here's the thing. I think like societally like as like a global society like we are very much socialized to view opposite sex relationships in terms of like romantic relationships or like sexual relationships right so like a lot of people right like who, who don't have the i would i would say the opportunity or, or or the fortune to be able to think about it as hard as we do right end up genuinely just going through life like viewing like opposite sex relationships 
only in terms of 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 romanticism or or, or, or or sexual relationships right and and i think that's kind of like where yuki is at at the very beginning of the of the story right where he hasn't had the time to really reflect on what other types of relationships are really possible especially for for opposite sex relationships right which is why he ends up what which is why like his relationship with toru ends up looking like a romantic one because he doesn't know how else to express it right and i think the second thing is that like men are just really bad at being in touch with their emotions right like like, like i i I have seen it more often than not, uh, men not being able to process how they feel about, like, other people in any other terms of, like, friend or, like, lover and, like, no in between middle ground, right? So I, I think, like, with those two things, it's, like, totally possible. Like, I think, it's, just, I think it's, it's infinitely plausible, right, that the whole time what, he re what his relationship really was to Toru was this, like, albeit kind of like complicated right no term for it real thing where like his relationship with toru is that like he he she needed him he needed her to like help him figure things out right and like raise quote unquote raise him damn i hate i hate the words they, they chose for this yeah but, yeah <laughs> but but i i do totally see it possible that like like his relationship with her was never romantic he just could not figure out another way to express it because like we're just not socialized to think to to, to put it together in any other way okay like, like I, i've seen it happen a lot actually okay i i agree <laughs> on at face value i agree okay with okay, okay all okay. of that well, all of what you said i think that that is absolutely true um i have absolutely no objections to anything that you said except for the but, part <laughs> but except for the part where like, I will still stand by, and I agree that, like, Yuki doesn't really know how to treat her at the beginning, and, like, that's why he's like, oh, like, I don't know how to just be friends with somebody I care about this much, so I'm going to make it romantic by default. Like, yes, that happens, but it's not a part of the plot. Like, if you wanted to make that a real part of the plot, while he's interacting with Machi, there should have been, like, this other interactions that he was having with Toru, where, like, we can see this clear difference between, oh, like, this is the nature of an actual romantic relationship that is developing versus like the nature of the relationship that he actually has with Toru but no exactly like you said earlier when he starts like becoming class president there's just this like lull in all of their interactions and at the very end of the fucking show where they're like all talking about their feelings like it's like just he just drops that bomb on her and I'm like there is no lead up to this there's no build up there's no precedent there is absolutely no character work that is done it's so fucking random because the only other like point of interaction that we have with like yuki and toru interacting with each other is romantic right we can't just infer this like left turn into weird <laughs> area space from like just his interactions with machi and like i i would actually argue that i think like the way that he interacts with machi is like the way that toru kind of interacts with yuki at the very beginning of the show like this character who doesn't really know what they want right um and he kind of like coaxes her out of her shell and like shows her that like hey like unconditional love is absolutely possible like i'm here for you all of this stuff like the nature of him and machi's relationship is actually in my opinion very similar to the way that like yuki and toru interact at the very beginning of the show and of course it is implied by the way that he's like oh like you raised me like you taught me what love is blah 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 like 
that, yes, the nature of his relationship with Machi is similar to the one with Toru. But the only difference is that, like, Toru was the one who, quote-unquote, like, taught him how to be like that. And that, like, immediately designates him into being, like, a motherly figure instead of just being his first love. Like... Yeah, yeah I, I don't I, I don't I, understand I, that like I don't understand why it couldn't just be like yeah of course you've had interact like you've had romantic interactions with this character before that's actually all we've seen plot wise is you having romantic interactions with this character but then like oh all of a sudden just because like yes she taught you how to love but like now because you have another romantic interest like this other avenue of romantic interest needs to be cut off forever so you have to be like oh like you were my mom the whole time like no like she was his first love like i don't i yeah, just think yeah, that's weird absolutely. like i just think it just undermines a lot of the work that they did with the love triangle i think i don't think it makes any sense plot wise it's not explained story wise very well like yes all of the things that you said are like it's all true and that's what like an educated person would say after watching this would be like oh yes like this is a commentary on like how society tells like people like people of the opposite of course like yes but when you look at it, like... <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, no, you're, you're right. You're right. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just a hater. And for that, I no, own up to that no. 100%. But like... No, no. I, I gave my best. I gave my best defense. <laughs> but I, I do think you're right. Because you're right. Like, his relationship to Machi is the same one that Toru had him at the beginning and that's like the point that's the point right yeah so the point is literally that like he learned from toru so he can d do the same thing for machi right yes. and like if we're going to if we're going to say that then yeah you're you're, you're right <laughs> like that 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 the, what he said actually just like under under that view is just kind of just him cowardly backpedaling yeah like really hard like... because like <laughs> you're right like there is actually just room for for him to genuinely just be like, yeah, I loved you, but like I don't now, and like, well, I do, but like in a different way, yeah. and like that's fine, right? <laughs> um, instead instead of him just being like, nah, instead of him mom, mom zoning right? her, like, like what the fuck, yeah. dog? That's yeah. so fucked up. Yeah. I no, just no, no. I think that's you, just you, you funny. Like me. I just think that's really <laughs> funny too. Like I love the way that they were like, oh, like instead of making this like. <laughs> I just love that. I love that they went with the most, like, out of left field, random, like, oh, you know what's going to yeah. happen in this heartfelt scene between, you know, two people who have loved each other for the first half of the show, but now they've gone their separate ways. They figured out what they want from each other. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, thank you. You were my mom this whole time. What the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I want to be in that writing room. I want to be. I want to be in that writing room when that was going on. I would have loved to know like what crack they were smoking to be like. This is a great idea. This is. <laughs> I, I I now want because I know you want to make short films now. Now I want to support you in making a short film in which that is the conclusion, but it makes sense. <laughs> that, is, that is that is your challenge. <laughs> I will take that challenge. Thank you. Oh my god. I, I love yeah, that we yeah. talked about that for, like, a good solid amount of time because I feel like ever since the first episode, it's been weighing but, on my uh, across heart. Across two episodes. It's been weighing across on my heart. Episodes. It really has been. I just need to get all of that off my chest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, like, love Yuki. I think he, I think Yuki's actually probably, like, one of my favorite characters. I I really like his 
whole character arc, I think he starts out as a good character and he just gets better. Like, there's never a yeah. part where I'm like, Yuki, what the fuck? I mean, other than... Okay, we're gonna, like, extract the mom thing for a second. Like... <laughs> okay, okay. We, we, we have talked about it. We have put it to rest. It does not have. exist anymore. We have. remove it from your We've head. had a whole put funeral it for it. It's done now. I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. Um, but there's never a point where I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Like, mm -hmm. I think that I had that moment with at, at least once with every character except for him i think his character interactions are the clearest i think his relationship with everybody is like very well defined um i think that the way that he interacts with people makes sense for who he wants to be and for who he is and who he eventually becomes um there's never a time where i am confused or frustrated by the way that he you know operates as a character while also simultaneously, you know, all of his interactions are very human. They're very, you know, he's not perfect, right? So it's, it's, you know, it, it makes sense. He's not perfect, but everything makes sense. I think it just fits together very well. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a great character. I mean, I think most of these characters are great characters. That's true. <laughs> it, it's just hard to criticize. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to criticize. Other than the uh, other than the one thing we've agreed to forget, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be out. There. Other than the one thing that would have been really weird that that happened if it would have if it did happen, but it didn't happen. Yeah, right? it didn't. It, I don't but know but if it did happen, trying, that would be really weird. That would be really weird. Um. Oh my god. All right, so we hit the three main characters, and I guess we can like more lightly hit yes. the side characters. Yes. Because, uh, I mean, the crazy thing for the show is that like, side characters all have really interesting things. To, to be honest with you, I honestly wouldn't mind doing like another episode for the side characters because I think that there <laughs> there is a lot to unpack with the quote-unquote side characters because you have like Shigure who like is a main character but is also functionally a side character because his entire personality is like, I'm going to make plot happen. Um... <laughs> And then you have, like, Akito, Hachuri, like, everybody has a very clear, you know, delineated story. They all have their own arcs. I would love to talk more about, like, Uotani and Hanajima, too. Um, more in-depth, obviously. Um, so, I'm down for doing, an, I'm down for doing the Fruits Basket Part 3. This podcast was produced by Yeji. It was created and written by both of us. It was edited by me. The cover art was done by my good friend, Emma Nebecker. And the background art for the videos were done by my good friend, Penelope Moreno.